Magicians. Are country musicians generally better at transitioning to film? Country magicians? M- musicians mm-hmm. generally better at transitioning to film than other artists, performers from other arts? I feel like hip-hop. Hip-hop does. And R&B is pretty, pretty strong. strong. Yeah. I mean, Mary J. Blige, Usher, Ludacris. Ludacris, yeah. They all did really well. Eminem, when he's acted, mm-hmm. pretty strong. 50. Yeah. And then, of course, there's also the the other way, the actor to rapper swing. Yeah. Are there, so sort of I mean, are there a bunch of rock and rollers turned actor? I mean, Cher does some good work. Cher. Which is not really rock and roll, but it's pop, pop but, but still, but we'll, give it, we'll give rock and roll something Taylor there. Taylor Swift, if you consider her pop, has done some acting. Yeah. Elvis, of course. Elvis, which was the, not great. The for... Beatles, but not really acting. Right. No, but very successful. Yeah. But very successful, yeah, for sure. It's um, an interesting question. I've yeah. had a huge cup of ambition, so I, I could agree to almost any thesis today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think you might be on to something. There's a lot of country actors. Because you got Willie, you got Christofferson. Johnny. You got, oh, Johnny. Yeah, Johnny sure. Acted. I didn't mm-hmm. know about that. I, but anyway, yeah, I did The Highwayman, right? Or did no, a few that's different. Super they did that Jesus movie, yeah. did a few different okay. movies, I think. Okay. Yeah. Not to the extent of Willie and Christofferson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you had what's his name from Smoking oh. the Bandit. Oh, yeah. Um, Jerry. Jerry uh, Lee? No. no. Oh, my God. I can't think of his name. I can't it's really think Snowman. Yeah, I know. We'll think of his yeah, name later. Yeah, we'll think of it. Uh, uh, Jerry Reed. Jerry Reed. There you go. Thank you. Jeez. Reba. Reba. Oh, very yeah. successful. Reba's great course. show and yeah. movie career. Trimmers. I mean, George Strait only had that one movie. but Pure Country, baby. Very, very Pure successful. Pure Country, baby. You know. We did forget about Tupac. We're and, well, Faith Hill and Tim McGraw, excellent in 1883. Well, Tim's done a lot several, of several really big roles. So it comes down to country and hip-hop. As, yeah, most, as most things often do. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to the, that Ken Burns documentary, you'll learn all about how they're basically the same thing. <laughs> Correct. All music's the same thing. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Undercast. We gather around a table, we discuss the films you'll never discuss in film today's course. This week's film is Working 9 to 5, uh, the Dolly Parton vehicle that uh, just keeps on keeping on. And uh, yeah. Yeah, not that my grandfather knows how to work podcasts, but if there was ever an episode he shouldn't listen to, it's this one, because I'm going to say nice things about Jane Fonda, and that would drive him crazy. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> and Hanoi Jane. And Lily Tomlin, the in- it's really inevitable. You know. It's, an I, it's a film full of icons. It absolutely is. Yeah. Maui Wowie. <laughs> <laughs> Lily Tomlin saying Maui Wowie is, ugh, made her from heaven. Her and her Snow White dress, but That's, yes. Oh, yeah. Lily Tomlin singing with cartoon birds. Get the hell out of here. This movie rules. <laughs> it's so fun. So uh, we're talking about this movie that you'll never discuss in a film today's course, and that may indeed be true. I don't really know. I've never seen this on a syllabus before, but I mean... But that's the gimmick of our show. Conceivably, it could be, I suppose. But I am still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton. And we are going to spoil this movie. We are very, very sorry, but this is an analysis show, not a review show, and that does mean we're going to talk about how it's going to end. And it is going to end at some point. And it's as old as Dustin, so it's okay. It is exactly as as old as you. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) Happy birthday, bud. Happy birthday, yeah. (laughs) You guys are sweet. Um... I don't. Need, I have nothing to say to you uh, at all. However, uh, we will spoil this forty-one-year-old movie, and, uh, and so doing, uh, we'll try to avoid that at the top end of the show. If you have not m- made the opportunity to catch up with the film yet, so we'll have a synopsis, which will be spoiler-free. We'll do our thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, which is just the level of spoiling that you might see in a review. Which means we're going to talk about what it's about, but we're not going to give away all the secrets. And then we're going to move to a game called "Expanding the Syllabus," which might involve. Spoilers to this film or films in its 
Orbit. And then finally, we get down to business with music to let you know that all spoiler bets are off. So that's kind of the format of the show. You've been warned. Arthur, have you a synopsis to delight us with? Uh, Most certainly. Thank you. When Judy finds herself divorced, she winds up with a job at Consolidated Companies. Her supervisor and trainer, Violet, has grown tired of helping unqualified men fail upwards. After Judy, Violet, and the secretary, Dora Lee, find themselves bonding over their disdain for their boss, Mr. Hart, they see a chance to step up and challenge the power dynamic holding them back. Yes. Um, that, is, that, was, that was good at holding the cards close. You held more cards closely than I thought you would, honestly. I do I can. Well it was tricky. That's it, a good synopsis. It's a challenge. It's tricky, yeah. Because yeah. um, many things <laughs> happen that I did not expect. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, dear listener, spoilers, whatever. You know, We're not going to spoil this at this point in the show. I'm going to tell you that whatever you think 9 to 5 is about, it ain't. It's probably not. Yeah, I I think there. I watched a trailer that gave a little bit about what this movie is about away. Okay, so, so there's even some of the marketing materials from the time, like. Give, but there was another trailer that didn't give anything away entirely, like at all. So I I think going into this like not knowing much about it is kind of a fun experience. So yeah, there's there's just that. Yeah. If you have not never caught up with it, it's worth it because. It is not what one would expect. It's full of surprises, yeah. So let's go ahead and do our thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. I'm going to go to you first, Dalton. What think you of Hanoi Jane and uh, what we experienced <laughs> she's, in she's 9 to 5? She's fucking badass. She's, she's great. Good. She made this movie come together, man. Did yeah, she? She, yeah. There, there's some fun production history maybe we'll get into in a little bit, but the long and the short of it is her and her producing partner got together after she had a, she had a friend that like was doing some um, assistant organizing. Uh, and, you know, was talking to her about uh, these different stories uh, from women in the workplace that she was hearing. She's like, wow, we got to make a movie about this. She got the producing partner, got Lily, got Dolly. Uh, and then uh, Lily wanted uh, Colin Higgins, uh, who came on as co-writer and director. And they, they put this film together about working in the world as a, as a woman. And it, uh, it's a damn shame that it's an extremely relevant film still. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very funny film. I think, again, I've, we've already said it's full of icons. Like these, all three of these performances are just like, Great. And I'll, we'll throw Dabney Coleman in there, too, honestly. The top, all, all four top bill performers are mm. thrown heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody's so funny in this movie. Everybody's timing is incredible. Uh, and and the, the joke sequences in this are, like, again, surprising and funny and, like, kind of full of some 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 flavor of comedy you're not quite expecting in the first 15 minutes. It definitely goes to places that are, are surprising and exciting. And, like, I'm trying to play it close because I think a lot of the joy of this film comes in some of the surprises. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's very interesting. Uh, and I, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Cause I'm more excited about getting into analysis and kind of talking about what we like about this movie and like more concrete terms. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll just say like, I, I don't know. There's, there's scenes where the three of them are just hanging out. that are like really nice mm-hmm. and just like good, good filmmaking, uh, good storytelling, just like nice to see three people. There's, I, I, we say it all the time. There's not a lot of movies about women in the American film system. Uh, and uh, for this to be like explicitly about the experiences of women in the workplace is it's a cool movie. It's cool. It was cool in 1980. It's cool today. And it's extremely funny. Yeah. You should catch up with this if you have not made time for it. All right. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what think you of your first experience of working nine to five? Um, I had a good time. I laughed quite a bit. Uh, I, I mean, we're already echoing the sentiment. I, I didn't know. It was going to go the way that it went. Um, <laughs> it's probably the easiest way to say that. Uh, and it's fun. Um, everybody's great. I mean, it's a great cast. Uh, I think that uh, uh, Dolly Parton is just a ball of charisma. Uh, She's a movie star. Next level, yeah. yeah. As soon as she walks on the screen. Energy, dynamic, yeah. I mean, and just charming and everything. 
So it's easy to see why you would want to craft a star vehicle kind of around her here. Yeah. Uh, Lily Tom's great. Uh, probably the standout for me. I, I, she's so funny. Uh, she's that deadpan, nice. dry thing she just lands it and, and it works so well. Um, Jane Fonda does some uh, loose little ball stuff mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. here, which which works uh, mostly. But I think you're right. I think it's easy to kind of forget that Dabney Coleman as the foil. Uh, you know, your heroes are only as good as your villain. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and he plays it so well, not only as antagonist, but also buffoon mm-hmm. and the, the folly of all these jokes that are taking place. Um, the, the kind of extended sequence after they go to Doralee's apartment uh, that we get with him and the different ex- actions with all three women uh, and the way that all comes together uh, really shows his range and capability, uh, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Uh, it's absurd. Uh, it's endearing i mean obviously has culturally latched on to still be fondly remembered uh, after 42 years yeah i think the song has had more legs than the film itself yeah but like and I, it's catchy people have this film has a good reputation i think mm-hmm. yeah I, I i think so um i yeah i mean that song right i mean it's one of the top five ten you know songs part, movie songs right part of her demand when Jane approached her to be in the movie, she's like, all right, but I got to write and uh, sing the theme song. Oh, obviously. Yeah. Right. That's an Which, easy demand, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. It's like Lady Gaga, right? right? They're I like, mean, they're excited that you want to do that, Dolly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Please. And thank you. They that seems they, like it would be an easy yes. They wanted you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably half the goal of asking you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I found it funny. Uh, I was looking at this on TV tropes to kind of try to get some ideas, but uh uh, the trope for, uh, for that was called the Oscar bait song oh, or nice. award bait song, yeah. which is, is just kind of funny to think about. Uh, but yeah, it's a good time. Uh, I laughed quite a bit. Uh, hijinks uh, were had, mm-hmm. and that's always a, a fun. I think the three characters make for a good ensemble comedy troupe mm-hmm. with your kind of straight man, bumbling slapstick, and uh, kind of over-the-top mm-hmm. charisma of Dolly Parton. I think they gel as a good ensemble comedy group and i think that really helps the film stay as memorable as it is and the antics that they get into as memorable as they are once you find out what this movie's about so mm-hmm. i had a good time i enjoyed my watch of a nine to five arthur let me throw you something what if in 1985 the three of them had gotten back together to do like a sketch comedy movie oh yeah 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 oh, just throw that yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah 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 give them a show yeah exactly <laughs> Dustin, this was also your first time seeing Correct. 95, right? Yes. What did you think? I liked it very, very much. And we've already sort of named a lot of the things that really, really work about the movie. And so I will not belabor those points uh, much longer. But I will say this, that unlike, well, a lot of 90s uh, comedies of the similar kind of ilk, this film, every one of its sort of set piece uh, sketch comedy bits also accelerate the narrative. Yeah. Every single one is in service of the story. There's never the sort of vignette that's kind of independent of what's going on. That might be paid off in terms of a callback, but it's never really you know, part of the sort of no- overall narrative bones of the film. And so it's a really, really smart screenplay as well. And I really appreciate that as well. Thematically, it's dealing with some incredible ideas that are important and timely and continue to be um, you know, something that's a, a problem to this very day. And so all of that uh, remains really, really prescient and, uh, again, timely, so it doesn't age the film out. But also, it's just great seeing um, 
these actresses, you know, at their age at that time, just really having a good having a good time and really performing really well. I want to give a shout out to Sterling Hayden though, who uh, plays the the uh, director Tinsworthy, uh, mm-hmm. Sterling Hayden, Colonel Sanders, Colonel Sanders looking <laughs> fellow who is a famous chairman of the board, chairman mm-hmm. of the board, uh, f- famous classic Hollywood actor, mm-hmm. uh, uh, notoriously difficult to work with oh. as a as as a person, but uh, just showing up and just you know I'm sure just catching in a paycheck on for one day of work, but hilarious to see him in this sort of buffoonish kind of role and uh, him being able to take himself a little less seriously than I kind of worry about him as uh, the late part of his career sort of goes on. And so it was nice to see him do something that's a little silly and seems like he's not acting at all like it's beneath him to be there. So I appreciated just that bit because, again, famously took himself quite seriously. So maybe eventually he got. When he got to that point, the 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 roles probably weren't rolling in like they used to. Yeah, I figure not. A little Uh, humbling in and of itself. You might know him as McCluskey from uh, Godfather Part One. Oh, sure. Who you might know him from? Uh, But he's also uh, the writer bad guy in The Long Goodbye. He's in uh, the Stanley Kubrick film noir The Killing. You know, so there's a couple of those movies that you might know him from. Yeah. So anyway, that's it's interesting seeing him. Yeah. So there you go, dear listener. Our biases are generally pro on nine to five. We're going to move on to a little game we like to play called Expanding the Syllabus. Dalton, can you explain what that's all about? Well, earlier we said nine to five is a film you probably wouldn't ever see on a film study syllabus. Now we are saying it should be on a film study syllabus and that now we will present to you film syllabi or other class syllabi. Uh, We don't ever limit ourselves to one subject, uh, but we're going to try to make the case for nine to five in an academic setting and present to you some uh, different uh, films, writings, topics that would be covered in classes where you would teach nine to five very good very good do you have a syllabus prepared for us sir i do and i think it's gonna uh from what i know about yours probably segue pretty nicely into your syllabus um i I definitely think that this would be a class about labor history um and i think we would look at some pop culture uh to help us think about labor you know what kind of labor is valued by society uh, what is seen as valuable labor. Uh, but we'd, we'd also talk about some important moments in labor history. We talk about the Haymarket riots. Uh, we talk about Matawan. We talk about the Green Corn Rebellion. Uh, we talk about all kinds of good stuff like that. Uh, we talk about the labor theory of value. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, you know, all kinds of like, this is what you need to know if we're going to start thinking really critically about labor in the world. Uh, but as far as films that we would look at, uh, we could look at things like Sorry to Bother You, I think would be a great place mm-hmm. to start. Really love that film. And I think has some interesting things about to say about the modern workplace and organizing in the workplace. And uh, uh, as far as how, how labor is created and, and continued and like how labor is... Uh, changing in in the the world of uh, tech billionaires. Uh, next up, we'd look at Horrible Bosses, uh, a film that would pair nicely with Nine to Five. Yes. Uh, less said about that, the better for now. Uh, I think we didn't look at a film that I've been beating the drum for for a while, Zola. Um, I know I brought it up on the podcast a few times, but again, looking at sex work and mm. you know uh, that type of labor and how we view that and uh, how pushing certain labor to the margins only makes it more dangerous for the people that uh, per, uh, participate in it. Um, I think we'd look at Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, a classic labor movie mm-hmm. and a classic look at what laboring for other people does for you and uh, laboring for certain ends, what that can do to you. Uh, I think we'd take a look at uh, support the girls, a film from a couple of years ago that I really like uh, about uh, uh, Regina Hall Wait, I always get Regina Hall and Regina King mixed up. I always cross-transpose their names on top Which of each movie? other. Uh, support the Girls. 
Hall. Hall, thank you. Jesus. I thought so. And then um, Haley Richardson, a couple other people. Really good movie, though, mm-hmm. uh, about the manager of a, a Hooters-type restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, really solid flick. Really funny, but again, like really kind of interesting stuff to say about the workplace and yeah. labor. Uh, so that, those are some of the films that we talked about. We'd. Uh, I also did a little uh, research into the Eisenstein movie Strike, which sounds pretty cool. Uh, we'd definitely take a look at that. I think that would be interesting, and I think that's probably... It's a delightful movie to watch. Uh, it's, yeah. It, it, bombastic Well, and I know you want to talk about unions and organizing, so maybe that's a good place for us to segue over to your syllabus. Okay, yeah, sure. So my syllabus is also thinking about women and unionizing, and really the, specifically emphasizing uh, women in the role of organization when there are um, unsafe or uh, uh, less than ideal working conditions. And 9 to 5 definitely has some of that going on with the sort of misogyny and sexism that is sort of at the heart of the film uh, from Mr. Hart. Uh, which is a pun I did not intend to make, but there you go. It happened. I'm sorry. Um, and so uh, the two films that I might pair with it, I want to sort of put them on a scale of realism to anti-realism. And I would suggest that 9 to 5 is the most artificial mm-hmm. of these selections for mm-hmm. reasons that we'll discuss a little bit more in spoiler. I mean, I think we mentioned there are cartoon characters at one point. There's there, there's definitely some high artifice to the way in which this film is constructed. Moving into something a bit more realistic and a bit more of a biopic is uh, the movie Silkwood about Karen Silkwood, who mm. at the day of today's recording, this is the day she died. Oh, uh, wow. Of, of all weird, awesome kismets uh, there. And so uh, Karen Silkwood was a worker at a plutonium uh, manufacturing, rod manufacturing plant in Crescent, Oklahoma. It, she was uh, exposed and poisoned by plutonium a few times. And and had discovered some unsafe practices in making those rods, and then was um, killed in a car accident under suspicious conditions while trying to deliver paperwork that turned up missing from mm. the car accident. And the home of the brave. But really, though, yeah. you know, somebody's got to blow the whistle. Yeah, and, and, and so, but it is very much, uh, and Meryl Streep has an incredible performance in this film, um, and her, oh, man, I mean, you know. How, how's her, it, yeah, I've, I've heard she's great in this. You know, Marilyn, Meryl Streep is good at accents, I know this is like really like shocking yeah. to say, but I mean, she is such a good Okie. She's, nice. It, it is it is uncanny what she can do, and she's coming right off of Sophie's Choice on this one, so just. One of the greats. Oh, man. Anyway, and Cher also um, has a great performance in the same film, so anyway, and that's part of why I mentioned her earlier because I had share on the mind mm-hmm. but this film is obviously a quite a bit more realistic but it is also the way in which a biopic is um mismatched around for narrative purposes there there's a little bit of that sort of play at work uh, in this film although it does try to be as historically accurate to the events and the sequence of events as it can be but it, it, it makes some choices that are a bit more artistic and so the last selection that i would have in this uh series of films about women and unionizing uh would be a documentary and it would be harper county usa Har- harland yeah Har- harper county pta <laughs> that's, yeah. a <laughs> that's a yes. song yeah. that i was not thinking of harland county usa which is about a a coal miner strike uh, directed by a woman and uh, a, a lot of women are uh, sort of at the fore of the film and so the unionizing and the labor organization is um, um, it, it, it is um, disentangled from gender I think in an interesting kind of way and uh, it is also just uh, sort of what goes on when laborers decide that they're going to take uh, control of their circumstances and do what needs to be done in terms of a strike in order to uh, get what needs they need met met and how sometimes even then 
they can be thwarted. And, uh, and so a much more realistic and in some senses much more pessimistic uh, view of what's going on there, although Silkwood's pretty pe- pessimistic uh, for that matter as well. So I would just simply think about women in labor and uh, unions and the sort of swirling uh, set of concerns that go around that and also thinking about this in terms of what conclusions we might draw as we think about this sort of realism to anti-realism split um, and perhaps the happiness or unhappiness of the various endings as well. That's something I thought about with, with my list as well, right? I mean, I've got, you know, Sorry to Bother You, which is sort of this surrealist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, absurd kind of uh, farcical take on on the, the matters. And then Madawan's, you know, a historical drama mm-hmm. about, you know, coal country. Again, mm-hmm. as you, know, right. you mentioned Harlan County, USA, this is about 50 years prior uh, and, you know, uh, talking about Kill Your Boss movies, uh, Madawan is literally about the time that uh, the the, mi- the miners of uh, Appalachia went to war against their bosses. Yeah. Some crazy stuff. It's wild. There's a low-key a second American Civil War already happened, and we don't really talk about it. <laughs> right. It's uh, it's interesting. But yeah, I, I mean, Gary, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is like kind of simultaneously like a heightened reality because of that mammoth dialogue and because mm-hmm. of what people end up doing. But there is also something like very kind of lived in and grounded about right. them as salespeople. And, and, and sort of just those possibilities for optimism. And yeah, I, mm. I think I think there's a number of things that we could sort of begin to tackle uh, with that. So there you go on um, me and Dalton's um, hook and eyed interlocking pieces of syllabus. And uh, we're going to move on to our analysis, I guess, at this point. Yes, so it's time. It is time to get down to business. And that business is, as always, analysis. Oh, there are so many things of which we could analyze in this film. Um, where do you gentlemen wish to start? Uh, I just wanted to kind of talk, take another moment to talk about the the genesis of this film. I yes. just think it's cool. Like Jane Fonda, yeah. yeah, she really spearheaded this uh, this production with her uh, uh, producing partner uh, Bruce Gilbert. Uh, you know, she she was friends with this woman who worked with the uh, the Association of Office Workers, mm. uh, and you know, started hearing some of these stories. Yeah, that secretary she was of the union, that's yeah. good. Yeah, so they they got together, and um, you know, she she went and saw Lily Tomlin's one woman show, and was like, "Well, I got to do this with Lily." Uh, I happened to hear Dolly on the radio around the same time as she tells it and was thinking, oh, Dolly would be great for this. And then uh, Lily Tomlin was who brought in Colin Higgins, as I heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, th- I think that's uh, he, I, just a nice piece of the movie is Higgins comes in and says, all right, well, we got to get together with some some women in the workplace and like do some interviews and stuff. So they did. Uh, and he uh, he happened to ask, what would you like to do to your boss at that meeting? As, as Fonda tells <laughs> it, like, what, 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 what would you do if you could get back at your boss? And that's sort of a genesis for uh, some the aspects. The Maui scene. Yeah. <laughs> Which we've, we've been beating around the bush, but now we're into spoiler territory. We can say, yeah, this is the OG horrible bosses. This turns into a <laughs> why don't we kill the boss movie. Uh, although a, a little, uh, they joke about killing the boss and then they it's, end it's up having fantasy, to. So it's until they have to kidnap him. The scene is they uh, go to Dolly's house and smoke a bunch of marijuana. And... Maui, wowie. <laughs> it's so cute that Lily Toblin's son is the one that gave her the joint. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a very, very funny, funny scene. And uh, whilst stoned, they uh, fantasize, and then uh, we have reenactments of these fantasies of the various vengeances that our three main protagonists would have against the evil Mr. Hart. And uh, one of them does involve animated characters, which is very funny. 
Yeah, Lily Tomlin's sort of grim fairy tales one is uh, uh by way of That's Disney's. a high point. It's yeah, it's yeah. great. I don't know. Uh, Dolly sexually Dolly. harassing him is pretty funny. It's pretty funny. That's yeah, the reverse. Yeah, yeah, sexual harassment. Is the hog tying and the, the lassoing. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. But the, that whole sequence is like when you're like, oh, this movie is coming to life right now. Like yeah. it, it had already been like a pretty successful comedy, but like it really mm-hmm. like it, it goes it, to another gear. And they go for a long time. Like each of those sequences yeah. is lengthy. Yeah. And I think I feel like they both like all three of them kind of keep you in, keep you locked in like it's it's it never stops being fun to kind of be in this weird sort of surreal place in the halfway point of the I guess the the first act break probably. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's just it really works. Uh, I think it's so funny. Uh and then I don't know the hijinks that come after that. How how well do those work for you guys? Cuz I feel like the the hospital hijinks kind of slow things down for me a little bit. I do think it is maybe a little long in the tooth in places. Mm-hmm. I think I do like that what ensues after uh, are all callbacks to mm-hmm. the fantasies. I yes. think that's really cool. He does actually get hogtied. He, he does, does get actually poisoned, get poisoned almost. And he does yeah. get shot, in the, shot at in the office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's really clever mm-hmm. in the way that all comes back around uh, in those moments. Um, I don't know that the high... I think the hospital thing's funny. Like that whole bit, getting the wrong body is just yeah. <laughs> I think good. when they get pulled over is really funny. Yeah, yeah it's right. not that it's not funny. I just I wonder if like we could have. I think they could have just seen Dabney Coleman coming out of a room and been like, oh, now we have to hide. I, I don't know. It just it's it's fun. Yeah, but I think it loses steam. But I don't know where. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Dabney maybe it takes Col- too long to pick up at the beginning. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, but I, I'm glad we're on the same page here though, because I yeah I also was I, like this feels man, like it I, could like be the, I like the I like the. I think the thing from we got to keep him for three days to oh we actually got to keep him for a month yeah right is kind of where it's like okay yeah like, it's sort of weekend at Bernie's thing that it, it's it like happens. that's yeah. a little I don't know I think that's where it kind of loses me because that feels like such a allows, extension for I don't I was just gonna say it allows for the the montage of like all their cool ideas right like yeah the, how how much they're able to improve the workplace without by, him yeah they basically unionize the workplace yeah. without I, I without ever being allowed to say the word union right it <laughs> it feels I wonder like, why I, I it almost feels like they had a lot of great ideas for this and they were scared to really pull anything out because mm, you could take out the the hospital stuff after and just run they hog tie him and take him to the place yeah right? they have to get mm-hmm. you do that or you could take out that and just do the stuff that happened you know there's there are ways but it feels like oh this would be a funny thing what if we did this this would be funny what if we did this this would be funny what if we did this and then no one really was like eh let's cut that you yeah. know it i don't know if indulge i mean i guess indulgent to an extent i think for me uh but a lot i mean it works more often than not but i yeah. do think it does lose some steam structurally i think you know i I definitely don't want to lose anything with the uh sort of the workplace changes because one they're like Mm. they're like really interesting and like i think that's fairly radical ideas yeah yeah the daycare yeah it's great that's huge i think in that that's really the core of the 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 aa program they're running it which is uh (laughs) at a girl (laughs) that is one of the best bits in the movie yeah for me oh and you knew when (laughs) it it hits the second time you're ready for time three yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's so good but yeah the the wraparound on that uh, the the reveal that she's like oh yeah thank you for instituting the recovery program like i'm doing great now (laughs) like there's the idea that as soon as this lecherous man is out of the office, they're they're 
actually able to like organize it in a way that like benefits the people that actually work there. Mm-hmm. People are happier and therefore more productive. It's wild. It's which almost brings as... down Colonel Sanders, Sterling Hayden, and which yeah. is so funny. It's such a. I mean, the fact that the way they actually get rid of the boss is by letting him steal their ideas again mm-hmm. and letting him steal so many good ideas that he gets promoted away out of country. It's yeah, so funny. Yeah, it's just a good it's just a good button on the whole movie. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it lets the the movie really act as a comedy as commentary film. Like it really lets it like stick that landing. Like it, it starts doing that at the Maui Wowie scene, and I think it really well. I know I would say it's pretty much doing it the whole movie. Yeah, it I think even so. starts in those early the color scenes. coding thing, right? The color yeah. coding thing, the, the the harassment of Dolly, him blowing up w- after a. Um, Jane Fonda has yeah, trouble with the aristocrat. Yeah. yeah, Judy, Judy. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, he he yeah he's he's a jerk after the the printer mix up. So mm-hmm. like it starts early about this the dehumanization of the workplace and how that like just negatively impacts people's ability to do their jobs. Yeah. Uh, again, it's it's kind of like real commentary happening mm-hmm. on, on the outskirts of this kind of farcical comedy. There is one bit I think that doesn't quite work that probably ought to have been rewritten or workshopped a little bit, and that is when uh, when Judy's ex husband shows up mm-hmm. at the mansion and they have this sort of awkward conversation, like "Ah, I'm hiding a person up here," you know, and it, there there there's no utility to that. Mm-hmm. It, 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 he never gets used again. And and so that's that's sort of my one moment of this is like standalone comedy of errors kind of thing. Like, what if well, you had a character beat more for her, mm-hmm. right? Because it's I, I've got a backbone now. Yeah, is the idea. I think yeah. I think you can get there elsewhere. I mean, because she's holding a guy hostage, so it's not like she doesn't have a backbone. She's already yeah, it's been broken the law pretty pretty consequentially. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. she so, bent it. She broke it. But that really does feel. I mean, that's why it you know it's there. But mm. I think you can also could get there other ways well i i, I but it's I, funny it is funny it's it, funny it's it, would, it would have been better if oh were, you're into this <laughs> yeah that's so, that's so good it would be better if you got more comeuppance i think somehow than just her finally telling him off yeah, yeah. Well, yeah well and i was gonna say then we maybe enter into a realm that feels too unreal but i, yeah. I mean we've got dabney coleman hooked up to, to hooked up to a garage door opener which is very funny very funny so i think we're allowed to get a little unreal yeah uh, but if we are going to talk about things that don't work or at the very least like criticisms we should talk about this is a pretty like white second wave feminism film like it's, sure it's not you know its analysis is good if if limited right mm-hmm. you know we we get some perspectives of color in here but not really uh, so the, you know, the film is doing what it can in 1980. Right. Uh, but I, you know, I feel like we should pay lip service to that at least. Well, the, and the, you know, it's not as, you know, revolutionary in his politics or radical in his politics. Mm-hmm. It's not as, you know, it doesn't, I mean, obviously it's a, a moment of time. As you mentioned second wave feminism, which is that sort of moment of equal pay ERA, you know, uh, equal rights amendment kind of era. Uh, although the ERA had died by 1980, I want to say. I don't know. I mean, I remember it died. I don't remember when. I think I think it died in the mid to late seventies, is what I want to say historically. But um, I'm I'm sure um, somebody will find out information and speak it to my ear at some point. But um, what I do know is that um, the film itself sort of gives this sort of yeah optimistic kind of thing through the lens of this sort of impossible situation where you're able to kidnap the boss for a month right and uh, and hide his body for that period of time or not as well he's not dead but hide him hide him out as a kidnapping victim and sort of make all and institute all these office changes without anybody being there and that is sort of like one of those things that people talk about um that regarding capitalism and again i don't think this movie's taking on capitalism at all no nah, but it's nah. optimistically looking at this view through a lens of high artifice and hijinks mm-hmm. and in some sense that does provide 
perform, uh, and many theorists have said this kind of thing, an ideological function, that in a fantasy kind of world, mm-hmm. we could have something like this and people would see. But, you know, really that's not what's going to happen. And then when we sort of use more realistic modes of storytelling, we tend to be much less much less optimistic. It tends but, to be much more... Well, Karen Silkwood dies, you know, yeah. uh, which is a real-life event that took place. Uh, the the Harley County um, strikes do get some concessions, but there's still a struggle that goes on, right? There's never really any sense of victory. And I, I do think about this sort of uh, comment that's made by theorists that it's easier, to theor- or it's easier to imagine the end of the world, the apocalypse, than it is to imagine the end of capitalism. Yep. Now, again, capitalism is not the sort of thing at stake here. But the idea at the end of these sort of oppressive, exploitative working conditions is, well, it's a symptom of capitalism. And to imagine that is, well, it's easier to sort of imagine as though me and my cartoon characters poison the guy, but he doesn't really die from the poison, even though it eats up the end of the spoon. We just dump him out of the high-rise window and, you know, the little Robin Hood cartoon characters. Uh, And I think there is a political piece to that. Um, The Robin Hood cartoon characters sort of laugh at this. Sure, sure. So, but yeah, anyway, um, that, that, that's something that I do find a little troubling in its approach, but that being said, it's doing the best it can with what it's got. Yeah, I think so. I I think that that's a fair criticism of it though, to say that it's not really taking on anything other than unfair work conditions. It's not addressing any like larger systemic problems. Uh, yeah, but, we're not going to talk about a pay gap. No. You know? Well, they do institute. That's one of the things that they institute is a mm-hmm. is an equal pay. Policy. Oh, do they? Okay. Good. Yeah, that's, I, I, that is one of the things that they do. I might have got them. But got then popcorn. they revoke it. Oh, do end. Yeah, Dabney does revoke. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he he that's leans the one over. Thing to, he's too far. That's right. That's right. It's what Sterling Hayden leans over to Dabney Coleman and says, "We we got to get rid of that." Yep. That's one yeah. step too far. Yeah. Mm. Which goes to speak to the realities of the workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Which is uh, well, it's a backward plug back at the ERA. Mm-hmm. Which would made it constitutionally illegal too, yeah. <sighs> but we didn't get that thing passed anyway. Uh, it's interesting though that Dabney Coleman says he would describe his uh, his business philosophy as teamwork. <laughs> yeah. yeah, although you girls don't understand that because you didn't get to play football or baseball. Yeah, yeah. Teamwork yeah. for him means running out to get his his wife a scarf. <laughs> yeah, not that not that women know how to collaborate and work together at all, and they have no experience in doing that other than you know since they missed out on physical team sports. So fucking Sarcasm stupid. font, sarcasm font, sarcasm font. I think that was coming across. Okay. Yeah. No, we know what kind of person you are. <laughs> Regular uh, Mr. Hart yourself, aren't uh, you? That's right. That's me. This this movie does really feel like it's it's fairly consequential. You know, it made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, made over $100 million. It was one of the highest grossing films in 1980. I think it was like right behind Empire Strikes Back. Uh, it definitely cements like a female-fronted studio comedy. I think that, you know, Working Girl obviously doesn't happen without this. Uh, but even stuff like Bridesmaids and, you know, uh, our beloved yeah. uh, Barb and Star, like that's all part of this lineage that goes back to nine to five, that goes back to saying we can make a female fronted comedy and people will go see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we can actually present some ideas that uh, kind of heighten the comedy a little bit and have have some commentary and something to say. Like it's a consequential film. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think maybe it does bear mentioning in a film study syllabus as, as we often end up saying on this class, like yeah. even the stuff that we, we don't put on the shelf, we often say is still worth talking about. And I think this is definitely like a really consequential film. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Super shelfable. So I guess we might as well go to that. Yeah, let's go to that verdict there. What do we say? Shelf or trash, Arthur go. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you can shelf it just pure, purely for, what it represents and what it is. So I would have no issue putting it on the shelf. What do you say, Dalton? Yeah, yeah, right there with Arthur. I think this has uh, re- got rewatchable value uh, as far as, you know, solid jokes and solid bits. 
uh, and just, you know, a, a delightful romp. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very shelfable and, uh, it, you know, has things to say, has, you know, things on its mind and has shortcomings for you to kind of think about and criticize and sort of come to a, an even deeper understanding and imagine, uh, you know, end of things that, uh, and, and imagine better worlds. Mm. Dustin, what about you? We stand Lily Tomlin over here. Yeah. And so, yeah, we shelf this one because Lily Tomlin. I mean, Dolly's great, Jane's great, but. No. You're coming for Lily? MVP. I'm, I'm, yeah, MVP. MVP, MVP for me is Lily. Yeah. So that's, that's fair. That's where I come down on that. So there you go, dear listener. Our uh, biases are, are very, very pro regarding this film, and we'd love for you to be part of the conversation. What did we miss talking about? Dalton's going to tell you how you can tell us how we're idiots. That's right. If you want to tell us we're dum-dums, you can find us on Twitter at Good Trash Media uh, as much longer. I, by the time you hear this, that website might not exist any longer. I have migrated to Mastodon. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, not I'm playing it. with it. It's kind mm, of fun. Nobody else is joining you. I'm, yeah, I'm rearranging it, deck chairs on the tired. Titanic. <laughs> yeah, I don't have time for a new social media yeah, platform. No. It, it, I can barely keep up with the ones I, I'm on. This is a brief adver- advertisement for Mastodon. It does seem to be a kinder, gentler space. Well, Dustin, where can people follow you on Mastodon if they want I'm to? I'm at Already too much work. Yep. Should have just been an at, Dustin. Keep it clean. But, but if you search for at Dustin Sells, you'll find me. There you go. Well, just yeah, go name. find Dustin on Mastodon. You can find the the show on Twitter at Good Trash Media. Uh, if you want to send us long form feedback, you can email us at GoodTrashGenreCast at gmail.com. Uh, last but certainly not least, if you want to help keep the show afloat and help us pay our web hosting fees, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM and find out about the different little goodies you can get for helping support the show. Access to our back catalog of recorded bonus content, um, help picking a movie on the show. Oh, there's there's a limited number of those. We're only allowed like twelve of those. Uh, so yeah, if you want to help pick a movie for the show, you can do that. And uh, if you want to get a DVD or Blu-ray sent to you, that's another thing that'll happen via the Arthurtron nine thousand, our patented uh, Blu-ray beep, and DVD beep, beep. picking algorithm. <laughs> uh, labor I'm without sorry, compensation, right there. <laughs> that is labor without compensation. It is. It is oh. that's, that's podcasting. Yeah, you get you get paid you get paid in movies that we unlock for the show that we buy for the show. Yeah, <laughs> Arthur. Uh, what are we talking about next week? Well, next week we're going to celebrate the Thanksgiving season with what matters most: traveling through space and time to repair relationships with family. That's right. We head to space to discuss Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. Yeah, we'll cry about I some stuff. I love that setup. That's very fun. All right, well, there you go, dear listener. It's Interstellar next time. You keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.